0: Hey, do we still
1: podcast. Do we still go or are just you is just you opening it?
0: If we just bully John into continuing with the podcast, what can he do to stop us?
1: He literally can't. I mean he could kill the recording, but I'm recording on my own, so what is that gonna do for him when I release it?
0: Eh.
2: That's a good point. Um <laughs> I have no defense for this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: John, you no, never I, considered that we would just stage a coup
2: and take over the podcast, did you? I think, and, I, I, think well, I always I, knew that was how this was going to end. Like
0: Different I, parts of the group team up to do team-up attacks, and now Jimmy and I have uh, we've decided it's our time to launch this one.
2: I, so. I, you
1: I just, forgot about the strongest duo in the cast. <laughs> you invited us both to watch a movie that made us feel emotions, and now you're done for.
2: I To be fair, <laughs> usually I have one to two other people to help kind of balance you guys out I do not have that for this one I've really messed up the
0: most raw portion of the podcast that's ever been recorded
2: this is is real bad um okay I gotta rethink my strategy um (laughs) what we watch no, yeah, wait, wait. Where not I did I do the um, intro? No, 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 no,
1: no. No. Everything, everywhere, all at once.
2: <laughs> you, guys Fantastic this care. Year. you guys are so funny. You guys are so funny. That's a good one, dear. We have a mystery segment in every podcast. It. There's no docket. There's no this,
0: space for
2: this. This mystery segment, segment is. Okay, thing, we're so everybody. You're starting
1: with the mystery segment?
2: <laughs> I, can, I can. Yes, we're starting with the mystery segment. Um, so I pulled at the, the prank of the century. Um, I just made these guys watch a two and a half hour movie. We are not going to talk about that. Uh, I have a special docket that I wrote. <laughs> and we're going to do that. So I hope you guys are ready for another three and a half hour podcast.
0: Great. Where's the docket, chub?
2: Oh, you want it. me to pull it up? I'll share it. I'll, uh, I'll yeah, share it. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, Okay. I, I love that John's option is, man, I don't want to commit to these guys doing their bit. We're going to do the other thing that's going to take longer. Then they'll get bored of it. And then we can just go back to doing the other thing. No, does, we're going to double, does, double down.
1: Does John know that I will never get bored of talking about movies and bullying John? <laughs> it's, it's literally my... It's why I'm here.
0: It's my raison d'etre. The most classic bit.
2: If you guys fight me... <laughs> this will be a very interesting podcast.
0: That's
1: fine.
2: See, that's literally fine. I've, I've, I've described myself to James on multiple occasions as being a sort of cockroach that can survive under any circumstance. And you guys <laughs> may be stronger than me, but I'm resistant. Specifically? Very, specifically, very
1: specific. you once called yourself the rat that's on the driftwood when it washes back ashore. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, that's just, it's not I called myself that, a bunch of people in college called me that, and I cried for a couple of weeks afterwards, but I'm happy you rewrote that in a more positive light.
1: Absolutely.
2: Own your trauma. Own your trauma. It's your strength. Speaking of owning your trauma, welcome to the Hanging Out With podcast, where I'm joined by- Welcome to the Hanging Out
1: With podcast. Tonight we have a little special feature for you, it's a little different tell you what we watched a movie we're gonna discuss it amongst our friends pretty outside the box type stuff but here's the twist we watched it together just now like 10 seconds ago so I want to introduce a couple of guests of mine uh, wonderful people I love to have them on the on the show Dan.
0: Jim, we're not allowed to be your guests. John's the host.
2: Okay, so uh, my first, my 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 first co-host. I'm just gonna let you guys be co-hosts. Usually, I call you guys guests, but my first co-host is the most random anomaly in the multiverse. In the multi- it is. It is James. James. Multiverse man. Cut. James. <laughs> Am I am I really the
1: anomalous one on the podcast? This <laughs> I feel like I'm pretty straightforward. Uh,
2: my second co-host is uh, our good pal, Daniel. He's a constant in all of our lives. No matter what universe there is, there will, will always be another Dan. In fact, we're watching a movie directed and written by two Daniels, so here you go. They are
1: are by name alone. Um, um, I want to point out <laughs> that someone in this call has a bit where there's like multiple aliases for this person and they all exist in a multiverse continuum <laughs> but that one's the constant and then I'm like the anomalous one that seems yeah. really pretty, pretty backwards
2: okay Shut so up. don't don't call me out on nothing I have I have many identities <laughs> I because I I have legal trouble, and you know I have st- I've I've had people take me to court before, so it's better to hide. Anyways, I was not joking about our mystery segment, Um, but this one will be very short and also not much of a mystery because I will probably try to do this on every single podcast we do because we're trying to be a multimedia star. So, I, uh, I want to make a couple of announcements, um, first of which we want to talk about. We started streaming! Um, me and Daniel have been doing a continuous series in which we go through all of the Pikmin games. We're on Pikmin 1. Um, you guys can join us and hang out with us live and potentially have Tristan say your name live on air with his sweet, 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 <laughs> sexy voice. Uh, and you can join us every Wednesday at twitch.tv slash Um We start around 6.30 and usually go for an hour and a half. And uh, if I can't get Daniel on there with me, I try to pull from other characters in the cast. Uh, or I will be doing solo streams. And so far, those have been an absolute disaster. So if you want to watch me fall on my face, tune in every Wednesday at six thirty. Um, speaking of which, uh, we also have now started a TikTok where you can come and hear highlights from both podcast stream anything that we do. Uh, and you can check that out at uh, TikTok.com/slash at Hanging Out With Cast. Um. Basically, it's just a bunch of clips that I find funny, and I upload them and hope that you find them funny, too. Um, And as always, you can listen to us on our RSS feed at rss.com slash podcast slash howcast, or you can listen to us on Spotify, uh, and we put these out as much as possible, and As we kind of talked about, we are doing something different tonight. We're doing, uh, we don't have an official name down, we're we're workshopping it, but we're basically doing a movie night. So we we sat down for the last two hours and a half, so we might be a little loopy, this might be a little bit more loose, um, but hopefully we'll polish it up. Uh, But we watched, Danny, what did we watch?
0: I think we watched a little movie called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once and uh, it was a lot to take in.
1: I thought we watched Life of Pi.
2: Oh. Yeah, we were all watching separate movies and we just kind of hoped that we would all get to the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of parallels between the three separate movies we watched. We were all in stream talking and like sometimes it would line up.
0: It's kind of weird how we do that actually.
2: You guys ever hear about the dark side of Oz? I think so. Yeah, that's dumb.
0: (laughs) Yeah, let's not talk about it and move on.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, let's move right on. So, um I really should have thought of a format for this, uh kinda getting it and tearing this apart. I think um bully
0: someone into telling the plot?
1: <laughs> I think we should do a direct compare contrast with another movie I watched this week. I watched The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Okay, so yeah, I, I think I'm, we I'm can very
0: can interested to see how this goes when one person has the information.
2: Um, well, I also watched The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. I have not. Okay, well, let me tell uh, you about a little. We got another game two hours.
0: <laughs> Why don't we just talk about the movie that we watched all together? Like
2: everybody everywhere all at once um so if we want to get into the plot um i think the best way to summarize this and this is what uh the directors and writers put out when they were trying to give a synopsis of the movie it's a movie about people doing taxes
0: that's true (laughs) (laughs) it's a fact
2: it's very much a fact um,
0: they didn't just play like the Eva opening animation when they <laughs> when they released this movie.
2: There, uh, me and uh, Dan were talking about this a little bit earlier. James was certainly not there. Um, <laughs> we were talking about the sort of maybe not. Th- there's a lot of similar themes with Evangelion, but there is definitely a similar visual language with Evangelion and. I don't know if I've talked about, like, wanting to do Evangelion episodes in the future uh, of this sort of movie night thing. Uh, But maybe this is a good place to start. Maybe this is, like, uh, Baby's First Evangelion.
0: I think that's a good way to phrase it.
2: Yeah.
1: It sounds like a distressing way to phrase something, but I do like it.
0: Well, if you don't know what Evangelion is and you say, this is, like, a good way to get into that, I think it could be... (laughs) um, you know, a bit of warm water before you get into that boiling hot tank that is uh, Evangelion if you're going the whole way through.
2: I like that the required <laughs> reading for uh, Evangelion to kind of really dip your toes into it is watch some Gundam and then watch everything everywhere all at once.
0: And now you get it.
2: <laughs> I think those might have come out what, 40 years apart from each other? Easily. Yeah, easily. but, you know.
1: Uh, more than that.
2: What, 79? 45, isn't...
1: Yeah, 79 to... Uh, yeah, 73 or... Uh, 70, uh 53 years. 53? Right? No? I 43?
2: No, wait, wait, no, wait. Dan's wait, the math guy. No, uh uh-uh. Why wait, are we getting bogged down on the math? It's gonna be like... forty. 43.
1: Okay, one second. One second. No, one second.
2: No, you're if right. If the it's audience 43. is
0: interested, they can just look it up and do the
2: math. No, I've we done... We've done the like... math. It's 43. 43 years. You were right. 43 you years. You didn't have to do more math. You just got it right on the first one. Um, no, I
1: think I said 53 initially.
2: <laughs> no, that was definitely wrong.
1: That was definitely wrong.
2: You got it right on the second one. <laughs> uh... Welcome
1: back to the beleaguered (laughs) sidecast.
2: There's going to be a lot of meandering. This is kind of new. Usually, uh, once conversation dulls a little bit, we can shift towards the next topic. We only have got the one topic, so. So,
1: so do you think it's a movie about husbands or moms or daughters?
2: I think it's about a lot of things. I think it's
1: definitely taxes
2: definitely about mostly taxes um that is
0: the focal point
2: i think uh, i
0: it's kind of about a bagel
2: it's a weird thing to dissect because like i feel like part of the movie is the experience it's kind of a roller coaster ride of visual and auditory stimulus and it is trying to do that to accomplish the theme, and I feel like every time I'm I'm the dude who jumps into theme immediately because that's what that's what I like out of stuff. I don't really care what's actually on screen. I just like a big hop, uh, ha- hopping, a big heavy I go back <laughs> hefty video no. hop of a uh, of theme. Be the Serve it up. I am very into that. Um, but I think there are some things we should talk about first. I think without necessarily giving away the, the plot, we can kind of get into like some characters and stuff like that. And I think getting into the characters and establishing those characters is a better way to kind of cement what this movie is about. Because it is a very, much like everything I love, it is a very character-focused story. And what's going on literally in the movie is not as important. It's the theming and the relationships built between the characters. Or destroyed between the characters. So, um, this movie is basically centered around... A family, uh, uh, a family of immigrants from China, I believe. Um, that you have your main character, who is played by what Michelle Yeoh, right? Yeah, you guys. Yep. Anybody, me please, please help. Yeah, me. Michelle Yeoh. Um, Michelle Yeoh. Um, and she is somebody who feels like her life could have gone better at any point. She's feeling very defeated. She's feeling very much like the world is kind of compounding a bunch of mistakes and everything is compounding against her. Um, She's kind of at a point where she feels like she could do better. Um, And just kind of going from that, uh, she is married to... uh, her husband, played by... Oh god, I am going to butcher these names. It might be uh, better.
1: Uh, Hoi Kwan?
2: Yeah, Kihoi Hoi Kwan. Um, Jonathan
1: Ki Kwan.
2: Um, yeah, Ki Kwan works a lot better. Yeah, that's easier for my... Jonathan Ki Kwan. Unrefined tongue. Um, and...
1: Japanese, or uh, Vietnamese is a notoriously difficult language.
2: Um, There there are little bits of trivia that I'm going to throw out here. Uh, Mainly that, you know that meme, guys, where it's an Asian actor and somebody's (laughs) like, Hey, look, this is short round. Um, This is him now. Uh, either Short Round from uh, Indiana Jones or, uh, is it Data from the Goonies? Yeah. Um, this is him now. This this is actually him now. So uh, a big thing about uh Kwon is he kind of got out of acting a little bit because he didn't think there was a lot of role, like roles that an Asian actor could take in Hollywood. So he got very burnt out with that, and he got out of acting for the longest time, and he saw the movie Crazy Rich Asians, which also has uh, Michelle Yeoh in it, coincidentally. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because there are bits in this movie that have archived footage of Michelle Yeoh on the red carpet at Crazy Rich Asians, um, but he saw that and he said, there's an opportunity now. I feel like I'm not going to be typecasted, and he wanted to get back into uh, acting, and this was the movie that he got back into it. Um, but he plays. Crazy her... Rich
1: Asians also is a great movie.
2: I have not seen it. It's not really
1: like a people. great movie, but it's fun.
2: Um, he he plays her husband. He is a uh, a, a lovable goof, and uh, they are experiencing an audit. On their laundromat that they run together, and that adds to this feeling of, of, of you know, life could be better because nobody wants to be audited, and it is very overwhelming to deal with. Uh, and it also has a lot to do with her relationship with her daughter, who is played. I just literally close this thing down. Uh, uh. Um... Um,
1: one second. One second. Uh,
2: Stephanie Hsu. Stephanie Hsu. Um, and dealing with her relationship with her daughter as it compares to her own relationship she had with her father, which is played by James Hong. Um, and it is all about their relationships and kind of how they interact how all of them are kind of feeling inferior in their positions in life slash inferior in their positions in the family and how they deal with a lot of that. Um, but how it does it is in a very cool way. Um, James, I no, you know what? I've picked on you enough, James. Danny, <laughs> tell me the gimmick of this movie.
0: Well, really... What I think it comes down to in terms of exploring this movie and what it's really trying to say, I—I I hate to tell you—I'm gonna talk about spoilers because I don't think I can talk about this well, in a way that's not did.
2: This whole podcast Shoot. is about this thing, so I guess we could be very upfront and say, "I—I I know I was dancing around it at the start. I don't know why." Um,
0: we will spoil either.
2: this movie. <laughs> we will get into it. I just—I kind of wanted to dissect this in a way that isn't just us rambling about whether we loved it or hated it. Because I don't know what your guys' opinion is on this movie. We just literally came out of it and uh, all got different forms of beverages, and now we are talking about it.
0: (laughs) So to get back into the discussion of it, I think a good place to start is in how the movie kind of like builds itself out from starting in that typical narrative where it brings you into these struggles and the IRS – Once you get there, it's all about perspectives. And the movie, you know, you're following um, the main character. Her name, what's her name in the movie? Evelyn. Evelyn. So you're with Evelyn, everything's from her, and then, you know, that kind of gets, it starts to get broken down. And the movie, and, you know, for Evelyn herself, it, it starts to open her to this idea of multiverses. And so you're following her as she's learning about it, and then you discover that oh, her daughter ha- has already had this entire like multiverse thing blown out for her. In fact, it was like a multi or an, an alternate version of Evelyn who like did that to her. And you're you're shifting around as everything gets brought more in. Like you're understanding it as she's starting to understand it, and then you start to see from how uh, her daughter sees it. And then you're opened up to, okay, this is what the multiverse means. And then trying to recontextualize that, you also have to realize that it shifts around to, okay, maybe you don't have to be nihilistic about this. It's not all for nothing um, because you can handle things in a better way, like her husband. And you start seeing things the way that he sees things. He gets his perspective on it. And from the beginning, Uh, Her dad was supposed to be like this good guy that then kind of seems like bad guy because he wants to kill his granddaughter from the first universe. And then you get his perspective on stuff and it all builds and you see those perspectives from these characters as the movie goes. And that really fills you with that sense of like, oh, sure, they have their problems. And in understanding them, trying to do that on their own, That's really tough because it's not about how you see the world. The world is filled with other people. They all see things their own way. And it's about coming together and understanding your situation as it is. That's what matters, you know, rather than the big universe.
2: It really is empathy, the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Just feel things for other people. Um, And see how they see things. Um, Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of the multiverse sort of thing that gets brought into this is to build off of that thought of empathy and literally putting yourself into other people's shoes by putting yourself in an experience that you wouldn't normally be in, but now being able to see it from the perspective of having that experience. You know, um, right? the The big strains on the relationships are everybody, everywhere. All at once <laughs> um, yeah. is is everybody in the family. They they all they all are dealing with their own stuff, and they all are dealing with how they're how what they're struggling with, how they're being perceived by the other family members or just like the misunderstanding of who you are uh, and I, I I, think another thing, a, another stronger theme there is that feeling of, of generational trauma too um, a lot of the fears and insecurities that Evelyn has uh, based off of like circumstances she had with her dad because her dad was disappointed that she was born a, a, a girl because it was China and that's, there There are some, uh, some things in China at that time that make it very hard to deal with. Um, I had a friend who was one of the children born under the whole, like, one-child rule, and they were given up for adoption, and they luckily were adopted by some really amazing parents out here, but it was one of those <laughs> things where it's like, you know, there, there were a lot of feelings uh, towards that with what you got because it felt like destiny and the world was giving you the short end of the stick. And it manifests in this sort of feeling of sh- her never feeling good enough for her father. And she places a lot of that into her daughter because she wants her to live up to this potential but it's that miscommunication that has them struggle. And through the multiverse and through all of these different perspectives, there's a lot of things that help her see what her daughter's going through. Um, this is a really hard movie to talk about because I feel like we have to talk about every bit and talk about how it relates to everything. Like, I kind of didn't want to do a summary. It might help to get into a lot of that, you know, Um, because I think there's like, whether it's a joke or it's a payoff to build a relationship with a character, this movie is very dense with setup and payoff. There is so much setup and payoff.
0: And I think before we dissect a whole bunch of that, I think it would be nice to get the broad strokes from James as well, so we can kind of see where we're all coming from before we get too much. Okay. Deeper.
2: Let's let's break this apart. There's three acts to this movie. Okay. Let's 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 draw straws, if you will, and have James do uh, everywhere. What happens everywhere?
1: Okay. So, uh, <clears throat> all right. So there's a, a, a lovely family who's struggling to do some taxes for a laundromat that they own and live at. Um, and during the course of that, we see that the mom is, uh, sort of obsessing with taking care of her father, uh, uh, Evelyn's father, uh, Gong Gong. There's five really critical relationships, and at the start of the movie, they're all in tatters. Uh, so, Waymond and Evelyn are, uh... Very distant in their relationship, and Waymond is trying to serve her serve evelyn divorce papers uh because he can see that she has been visibly unhappy and unfulfilled for quite some time and uh there's also oh oh, oh. I, I,
2: I, a big point that I have to make for that is Waymond is like this he 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 is the embodiment of the thought of empathy um and he sees that and he sees her struggling, but he also, the, the divorce papers don't exist in a sense of Wayman wants a divorce, he just wants to start the dialogue of, hey, we both seem unhappy, I seem like I'm always really disappointing you, and it's all about them setting up to talk. It's not something, like, he is so deeply in love with her. And everybody in his family, it's not something where he's like, I'm going to escape this. It's literally just to start the dialogue. Because I... We can get into this a little bit later, the biggest thing that Evelyn does is disassociate and doesn't focus on the problem.
0: Huh. Isn't Uh, that a funny thing to do?
1: That's very interesting. Uh, Yeah, he's very much serving her papers, not because... He actually wants the relationship to end, but because she's not ha she's not happy and it's the last thing he can do he can think of to make her happy. Uh so really they're the sweetest kind of divorce papers. Uh, okay. So Evelyn and Gong, Gong uh they had incredibly icy relationships after uh Evelyn ran off to uh, marry Waymond and moved to the U.S. and opened a laundromat. And they haven't spoken for years, uh, many years, I think, until uh, her father's in failing health and comes to live with them. So there's, uh, uh, like John was talking, there's a lot of generational trauma there. There's a lot of stress being put on her as a caretaker for her father when she feels as though that role was never reciprocated, like she at, at at a point in her life where she really needed her dad he just checked out, he wasn't she just stopped participating Um. so there's a lot of unspoken angst and a huge amount of like visible stress on her part Um. and then also this one's a twofer uh, so there's also, Evelyn and Wayman's daughter, Joy, who uh, is, is dating Becky, a, a very nice young lady uh, with a great haircut. And <laughs> Evelyn is trying to obscure the fact that Becky and Joy are dating because Gorgong is from a different generation. He's just like an old guy. And so Evelyn, uh, Evelyn is... Uh, removing the agency of her daughter to uh, live her authentic life and to explain herself and to uh, exist as she really is in a way that is very stifling and hypocritical given Evelyn's relationship with Gong Kong. But she doesn't see it. She doesn't see it at all because she's completely distracted by it. She's completely distracted by all the various stresses in her life. And then we have. The relationship. That Evelyn has with Deirdre. Who is the. Uh, IRS official. Who's doing the audit. And I actually think this relationship is my favorite in the movie. Oh god
2: I love it so much. Like. It, it, where it goes. Like I love. But also like. To have Evelyn as a person who likes to deflect and likes to kind of put all of her problems somewhere else, Uh, Deirdre just represents, like, this villain that she can kind of put all of the blame for everything bad that's going on right now on. Right. Despite the fact that, I mean, Deirdre will tell
1: you, she's literally just doing her job. Mm-hmm. It's a, a very important job of, uh, I mean, the, the, the claims that Evelyn is making in, during this audit are absurd. She's, uh, she's, she's purchased a karaoke machine <laughs> as a function of her, uh, laundromat business. <laughs> so obviously just attempting to commit fraud, uh, or just, uh, as, as, is a very funny sticking point in the movie, what is it, Gross Negligence?
0: Correct, yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Fantastic.
0: And, Fantastic. You know, I think to the broader empathy angle of this movie, you're really never going to understand what empathy is unless you learn to love the IRS auditor <laughs> that is taking... Yeah, the in. IRS
1: auditor that says that you can't sing, <laughs> you don't bake, and that actually you're a jerk.
0: <laughs> and you have to really love them, too. That's the... I...
2: <laughs> well, and it's like... <laughs> What I really like with that relationship too is you're you're absolutely right. Is like, yeah, just kind of love this villain, um, but in a very similar way to, uh, to Evelyn being like, yeah, I I'm not gonna relate to you because, yes, you're doing your job, but you're also trying to take everything from me. Uh, uh, uh Deirdre looks at Evelyn and. There's not, like, there's not the empathy there. Literally, Deirdre I mean... sees Evelyn as numbers and things that are adding up, and that's why when later, and we'll get into that, uh, when you get bits of their relationship, like, it makes it so much more impactful, and them coming together definitely drives home that feeling of, empathy and seeing things from the other side because for both of them there's not that like they represent a different thing not a person right
1: yeah i think i i think i characterized deirdre's view of evelyn differently in the first half of the film oh yeah uh, yeah i what i'm trying to say is that you're wrong and that you're bad at film analysis that's fair uh <laughs> No, uh, I think in the same way that Evelyn has built her walls of self-distraction, her constant cycle, a donut, if you will, or a bagel of stress, where each problem is so big that it obscures the focus of the others. Um, Deirdre is clearly uh, a person that... I mean, her specialty is to deal with difficult people. That's her whole job. She's. I mean, that's what she has dedicated her life to, and it has made her a difficult person. In return, she has these walls that you don't see as walls until the final glimpses of her character. You don't understand that it. It's really. I like that Dan. I, I, Dan, I like that you characterize this as a movie about empathy. I think it is. Um. I phrase this. this is the same answer to solipsism as the great dictator is to fascism and authoritarianism. <laughs> it is a complete indictment of the concept. Uh, solipsism is this egocentrism that, that stipulates that it it's impossible to determine whether or not other people exist. Like, they, like they have thoughts of their own head that they aren't just merely following programming. Like the, the classic NPC meme, Uh that, that in a sense. And this movie, I think, takes strives that a lot of other other movies try to do, but don't accomplish in the same way, of showing that that's a patently absurd concept that the IRS agent that you're going to talk to maybe three times in your whole life that tries to take away your business oh, she's got her own things going on too she's probably dealing with frankly a lot of the same problems that you are uh, and that she's actually a wonderful and vibrant person just like, just like yourself also I didn't realize this until I looked it up on IMDb. That's Jamie Lee Curtis.
2: Yeah, you didn't realize that was Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis.
0: No!
1: No, to... I had no idea. Oh,
0: you no know, idea. You and guys... to stay on focus with her, actually, yeah. sorry, um, I think it's important to note that in the, in the empathy exchange here, we'll say... Um, <laughs> Deirdre isn't like the exchange project of the IRS, right? She actually has a good deal of empathy, I, I wager, even in the outset of this relationship, because it's she says, while they're going through all of the receipts there, and Evelyn is doing everything in her power to not be in that moment, uh, <laughs> she says that looking at all of these numbers, people would just see numbers, but she sees a story. She can read into what's going on in their life because it all of these things add up to the ups and downs. She she points that fact out. And let's remember there is literally like a language disconnect going on that would, you know, obviously lead into further misunderstandings because like I that I think that's kind of like the <laughs> um what's it called? The the pinnacle of the movie, but like a different word for that. Whatever. It, when the daughter uh-huh. at the end is involved in I'm gonna say the actual... i like,
2: uh... Uglo? That could be...
1: A word. I think... I think denouement. Oh,
2: don't... Climax? Don't give, them Climax. Any, don't was, give yeah. him any sort of actual words.
1: Make a fake one. I, John, I he's trying to speak. teach us about empathy, want, and I'm trying to tell you I that want, Daniel's I want, real.
0: I won't... Wait, wait. <laughs> But that's like where it all all comes together right is when the daughter's involved and like the family's together and they take care of this together and they understand one another like it takes coming over that fact and like they're bringing her cookies as their attempt to you know like ingratiate themselves to this person who has a great deal of power over their lives but that's not necessarily like it's just what you are supposed to do if you're trying to like dodge getting your business closed (laughs) things like (laughs) But, like, really, Deirdre isn't this person who there is no empathy for. It's just there. there's no ability to build that because of all of these barriers, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, I agree. James, what happens after something happens? Where did we leave off with your little summary?
1: I just gave a breakdown of the of the characters and their uh, relationships. I like think I said there were five relationships. There's four relationships, but with five characters, Evelyn's more of the, of the spoke then. Uh, cause I don't think any of the other characters really have an, uh, that impactful relationship with each other. What? Uh, I mean, Anyway, I mean,
0: like Evelyn's relationship with herself would be like your fifth one in that, I guess.
1: No, cause that's not what do you, relationship. This isn't like a self-help class, Dan. You're just a character that goes on a journey. You just told me. Like
2: a... You just told me Daniel's real. He is not just a character.
1: <laughs> no, you I think Daniel in particular is. Things. Listen, listen. Is a, Daniel is a dynamic character. I'll oh, grant you that. Like he, like he has motivations and he changes throughout the story of your life. But I'm not telling you that he's like a person. You know, it's like clearly he has like goals to get through, given to him by the script.
2: Yeah, I mean, he he says what we write, of course.
1: Right, that's the point of him.
2: No, Do you but think Daniel's real? Is. It's just
1: the lines that we feed to Tristan.
2: Well, I would say that there might be a another universe where Daniel could be real, and I think that's the next thing we should talk about. The that one that the,
1: lives in the little closet. <laughs> the,
2: yeah, it's Daniel is there and ready to go. Um,
1: so, so they take an elevator ride when they get to the IRS.
2: Daniel?
1: And then, yeah. So when Daniel pulls out the elevator and he opens it inside, I got really upset because that's really bad luck. And then I was correct because someone breaks his neck literally minutes later.
2: Yeah. Did you? I, I want to play that back. I think you said pulls out the elevator.
1: Yeah. No, he pulls out an umbrella while he's inside.
0: Okay. Never said umbrella.
2: You never said umbrella. You said pulls out the elevator.
0: I don't think that's true. That's absolutely true. We can run it back for you after this is done and recorded and edited. We'll we'll send that to you.
1: I don't listen to these once they've been recorded. I'll never learn. It doesn't matter. I definitely said Umbrella, and I'm the only person that you can't convince of that.
0: In another universe, you might have said Umbrella, but we're living in the one
2: where you didn't.
1: I want to live in a universe where Daniel doesn't suck.
2: (laughs) I'll tell you what, he is a constant in every universe. (laughs)
0: What if you just develop the empathy? It doesn't to have a make the sense.
1: There's Daniel. There's Schmaniel. There's Sadiel, There's There's Drunk, There's Sobriel. Like it. There's so many Daniels out there, and yet I'm the anomalous one.
2: Anyways, let's let's move on. I think.
1: So they go onto an elevator, and then Waymond reaches it. I almost called him Wayoon. <laughs> That's a character from weird. Deep Space Nine. That'd be weird. Uh. There's a lot of parallels there, actually. Don't think about it. So, Lehman reaches into his magic fanny pack, and he pulls out uh, some sort of elevator umbrella. It's undetermined by the film. And he opens it inside the elevator, uh, and he puts some Bluetooth headsets into Evelyn's ears, and he's like, hey, real quick, you're gonna pop out of the elevator, and it's gonna be just like that scene in The Matrix where Morpheus calls Neo and he's like, "Hey, I need you to follow and do exactly what I say. Otherwise, the agents are gonna get you, uh, and then 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 you'll be trapped in the matrix forever." And he says, "What's that?" Uh, anyway, move past it. So, uh, Evelyn fractures. Like, uh, uh, she goes to the meeting with the IRS lady, Deirdre, and it's a complete disaster, and things are breaking down. Uh, and she follows little instructions that Wayman gave her in the elevator, and she fractures the universe, and then she is in a supply closet and also in the meeting. And you realize that there are multiple versions of each one of these characters from a functionally infinite number of universes, and they are finally blending in a specific way that will allow Evelyn to defeat an unstoppable evil.
2: And what is that evil? Daniel?
0: Daniel? Uh, nihilism, I think. No, no it's like, a bagel. No,
2: like what's the name
0: of the A bagel of the evil? Uh Juju Chewbacca? How about how about
2: how about you try it now, Jim?
1: Uh I don't remember the un- the other funny one that she says.
2: Taco uh,
1: <laughs> it's a boot It's a bagel. No, Give me what do you mean? Name.
2: Give me the name.
1: Uh, Ju- Ju- Junji Ito. One second.
2: Junji Ito. Jobu
1: Tupaki. Thank you. Um, I had to open up two tabs to figure out that one.
2: And. Jobu Tobaki. Tupaki?
1: You just want to reveal all of it right now? Yeah, Why don't no. we just tell him how the movie ends, John?
2: Okay. We're going to talk about that, it Jim. ends with people doing okay, taxes. So... You have already talked about how it ended with people in the IRS together doing taxes. We have already blown all of it. We're not...
1: <laughs> so, okay, so there's an Alpha universe, and that's not the one that our heroes lived in at the start of today. No,
0: in fact... The Alpha universe...
1: Right. The, <laughs> the the current universe in which all of our heroes live is actually the one where everyone sucks and no one's happy. It's the worst place. They're literally on the darkest timeline. Uh, and we'll talk about why I like that later. So, in the Alpha Universe, Waymond and Evelyn are super genius scientists that figure out that you can... Uh, what's the term that they use? No. Merge? Merge?
0: Oh, it's like
1: a...
2: No. It's joke.
0: Yeah, it's
1: first jump. jump?
0: First jump? First jump. First.
1: First jump. First. Okay. Did you say first so they can, jump
2: or first jump?
1: They can first jump into no, a I'm different not. verse. No, no.
2: First so they verse jump. First jump. First jump.
1: I, we're all literally saying the same thing, but it's hard to hear because you guys are saying the first syllable of it and we're on Discord. Discord's kind of notorious for cutting off the first syllable. The thing I'm saying is verse jump.
2: Wait, did you say verse? Like, like, like you know the, like, like, like the basic like building sausage? block of poetry. Like, like sausage first.
1: Like the thing that you put together to make a poem, that is what you're jumping through. Is, is a verse.
0: Like oh. worst? like the stuff they make in Germany. I
1: like that, in ver- he just said that one.
2: We already just did that
1: joke. He just did that exact one.
2: There, no, he said there verse is, like sausages there, do. There is a universe. <laughs> In which you may No, that he said first, burst! But it's not now. not
1: now. So, in the alpha universe. In the alpha universe, uh,
2: Danny's funny. Is... <laughs> Damn it. I don't know. Uh,
1: John, like you said, Daniel is the constant. This may be the best that he gets. Uh...
2: <laughs> Daniel, every timeline for Daniel is the worst possible timeline. <laughs>
0: That is the way you guys program me to be, right?
2: It's all in the that's script, what the,
0: That's what the script
1: calls for. <laughs> so, in the alpha time, <laughs> the alpha timeline, they learn how to first jump. And as a process of doing this, they use a test subject uh, to try first jumping in multiple places and first jumping uh, in a rapid succession, which is a very dangerous thing to do. It fractures your mind. Uh, this is a really great metaphor with the clay pot. Uh and it breaks the pot and then you die. So they put someone through a really adverse training regimen of verse jumping. Uh and that person is their daughter. Uh uh Dunpei Iori. Joy. Uh Joe Oh
2: Jo Joy
1: Joy Wang, also known as Joe Boo uh like wacky tobacky. So what they accidentally do is they f- they force their daughter into an unending experience uh in which she feels, understands and lives through every moment constantly. Almost like she's experiencing everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh my god, that's what uh... they call it. Okay.
2: okay. So I think we built the groundwork for this movie. I don't think we have to go step by step. I think that's all we need to get to. Thank you, so much. Well,
1: he asked Dave. me what happened in the first half. I told you what happened in the first half. No,
2: no. no. He asked what happened in the second you, half. You did. No, I, no. You, you did perfectly fine. I, I was you, everything. You, Dan's everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Nope. Yep. We're we're we don't got to do it no more. It. You did. You built, you built the groundwork. So now we can. Can I work. be
1: all the time?
2: Yeah, you can be all it's everything the everywhere all the, time, all the time.
1: No, 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 okay, so I'm everything, Dan's everywhere, and then John's all at once. When we go back around, I want to be all the time. You'll be everyone, Dan.
0: I just want to be Daniel.
2: <laughs> well, you are.
0: Just look at the script.
2: Yeah, just look, look, look at the script. the script, man. Don't go off script. Um. Don't, don't go off, off script. script. So I think that's a good foundation to kind of get in and talk about the relationships with these characters. What the world is. Now we can talk about about uh, how this goes about building the the blocks of building back these relationships that are very torn apart at the start. Um, And get into every one everywhere all the time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> then we can get back to all the time with the cool stuff. Alright.
2: Uh so there's a lot of there's a lot of verse jumping. There's a lot of uh learning about what could have been slash what is and longing for that. But with a lot of that, you start building this sort of—you uh, start building this sort of understanding for other characters on being in similar situations as them, in other universes, or being able to see them in a different light, uh, in a different universe, under different circumstances, because we can be everywhere, every time. right now at the second. (laughs) Um, and how those relationships start building off of each other to help build up other relationships with each other, you know? Um, I think the biggest one to talk about um, can get segmented out to I guess the two biggest ones to talk about that can get segmented out to the other relationship with with everybody else all the time all at once. Um, this joke keeps getting funnier. Um, <laughs> is between Evelyn, Waymond, and Evelyn and Joy, and how their relationships and seeing seeing other people with those people um helps start building a better understanding understanding especially with uh evelyn and joy so one of the big things that gets brought up is this idea of nothingness and the idea of like basically oblivion is the concept of the everything bagel um the whole thought is they put everything in a bagel. Everything. Even, what did you say, like, all the pictures of dogs. Yeah,
1: Every picture of dogs. <laughs> all the conceivable <laughs> toppings for a bagel.
2: Um, but it, it represents this thing of, of being <laughs> able to see uh, everything and seeing that nothing really matters because everything will continue to be bad all the time, everywhere, everything, all at once. (laughs) Um, But uh, as we get towards the end of the movie, we see maybe everything, everywhere, all at once is bad. Um, And maybe no matter whether something good happens it will be bad. It's those little pieces of good and fighting and being very very open and very empathetic of people is your salvation there. And even though you might have a small glimpse of happiness that's still enough to keep going on and that gets into the relationship with Wayman. Because Wayman is uh literally the antithesis to nihilism. I'm not sure if you guys noticed his little googly eyes, because Wayman puts googly eyes on everything, are the inverse colors of the bagel.
0: <laughs> That's a fun way to do That's it. That's fun.
2: Yeah, I, I, it, it, It's it's set up, he's set up to be this thought of empathy. When we go back to Deirdre, um, where you see kind of Evelyn see her as a villain. Uh, Waymond is treating her like a human, and he is talking to her, he is giving her cookies, and he is trying to explain the situation to be that sort of interpreter between Evelyn and Deirdre, because I, I think it's very funny you guys talked about that um, literal language barrier. That That's the movie. Is everybody speaking a different language? emotion
0: yeah <laughs> you know on this topic of the everything bagel I was just thinking like I isn't also the purpose or at least the problem with the everything bagel is it's a matter of focus like you, you take all of these different problems right like your dog just died or uh, you got turned down for this promotion whatever it happens to be and that goes into the bagel and then the bagel becomes this big black hole Daniel, and then you lose sight of it just being a bagel. Things
2: confidence. I don't know why you're airing my dirty laundry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, like, that's the whole thing is like, once you take your focus and you say, no, I, I'm just going to focus on the bagel. I'm just going to focus on this relationship with my daughter. Like, that's when everything can come back around and you're not, you you to change your life so that you're not. Worried about all these distractions? It's not all just this big black hole that's going to consume you. You say, "No, this is the reality I'm dealing with. We're going to take this one thing, and that's that's what I'm going to try and deal with." You know?
2: Yeah, and, not and everything
0: bagel. It's just a bagel.
2: It's it's just a bagel, and like I think that that's kind of where Evelyn gets towards the end of her her. Uh, arc at the end of the movie is she can start shifting her focus to see that there's other things there, and even in the same sort of vein, like, she looks at... She, <laughs> she has a very Shinji moment, right? She looks at the, the folly of if I only focus on the good, I'm also doing the same sort of thing. I'm also being ignorant to everything everywhere all at once <laughs> <laughs> um but she she happens to the end where her character arc ends is the acknowledgement of everything because both of them are in escapism from the other focusing strictly on the negative you would you spiral into the everything bagel uh, and focusing strictly on the positive, you stay kind of ignorant to everything, everybody else all around you, you know? Because everybody else is struggling. These um, two
0: hedgehogs are trying not to poke each other all the time.
2: Yeah, they, they're in the middle of the hedgehog dilemma. And the way she gets there, like, it's, it's really sweet. And I want to go back to Deirdre. And how Deirdre relates to um, her relationship with Deirdre at the end. um, And how that relates to her final sort of understanding of joy. And kind of seeing themselves as very similar. Um, So one of these many universes they experience uh, is a universe in which um, fingers are also hot dogs. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, do you think this universe is about anything? Because I didn't get anything out of
0: it. It's probably just a joke universe that will never actually have any it's, real it's... Like, matter on the plot.
2: I want to hear true. what your guys' thoughts are on the Hot Dog universe, because I, <laughs> I've i come to uh, my understanding of how much I love the Hot Dog universe.
0: I laughed because they made a really fun homage At the outset of Hot Dog Universe to, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey. (laughs)
2: Yeah. And I
0: thought that was amazing.
2: (laughs) Do you like when they go out there and they're playing uh, the song and everything's really out of key?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I liked it a lot. Yeah, dude. But clearly that was just a joke and they're never going to talk about it again.
2: Never again. That's... When I talk about this movie being very tight and there's a lot of setup and payoff, like, I... I didn't expect the hot dog universe to be anything more than the joke. And then uh-huh. when we got back to the hot dog universe and like, when you start thinking about the hot dog universe and you think about like not only <laughs> what later it is, but like just the, even the the understanding of what intimacy must be like in the hot dog universe. <laughs> And how that like plays into it, like, I—it's <laughs> a lot of really good things. But in this in this hot dog universe, where did you find yourself, James?
1: Uh, I was absolutely baffled by the fact that that like ketchup and mustard came out of the dog fingers. <laughs> that that really concerned me because I didn't know the mechanics of it.
2: It is a little frightening. It's kind of like you know those uh, original series Star Trek episodes where it's just like yeah. you know all of these different <laughs> things happen, but somehow like evolution reached the same sort of answer we had, and now it's just <laughs> it's it's just Roman times forever. It's like right. evolution evolution went down a completely different path, and by all means we should have different understanding of what a hot dog is. But for some reason, now hot dog fingers are also hot dog condiments, and it, you know, that's a little weird.
0: That's very weird. Very odd. The first time you go to Hot Dog Universe, it's on accident and it causes problems, because like, she's in the middle of a fight, and it's like, okay, I have to fight, but now I have hot dog fingers. I don't know how my hands work anymore. And it turns out really badly. And then every time after that, going back to Hot Dog Universe, it solves a problem in a creative way.
2: <laughs> it, it sure does. Um, Hot Dog Universe ends up being the universe in which Deirdre and uh, uh, Evelyn, Evelyn are together. They, they have a romantic relationship together. And like not only does that continue to get into that theme of empathy, of, like, quite literally, at this point, you still kind of have uh, have Evelyn seeing Deirdre as this villain. It, uh, to the extent that, like, they were fighting earlier as actual protag and antagonist um, uh uh-huh. But, like the thing that really touched me uh, with of the, <laughs> with hot, the hot dog universe <laughs> um, is, is the one of the big problems, and I don't know if it's like a big problem with beliefs or just like quite literally being from a different sort of generation, um, but getting to finally see her daughter from the <laughs> point of view of being in a homosexual relationship, like being with another woman, and finally seeing that and being able to emphasize, uh, empathize uh, with her with her daughter, and getting that context. There's like a really, really heartbreaking line uh, when she finally confronts uh, Jobu uh, and she she's saying that that evil inside of you, we're going to kill this. um, And you're not going to feel sad anymore. And you don't have to like girls anymore. And, and Joy is just like, are you still hung up on that in this universe? And it's just like, there's such a huge disconnection with that sort of relationship and her being able to finally get to see that and get to see, herself in that relationship is so important and like one of the i'm i'm a big baby i cry probably for every movie i watch but like that's one of the things that like it it gets me every single time is
1: is that what got you
2: no i there's that that whole last act gets me
1: oh absolutely Mm -hmm.
2: like when that when that rock falls off of the cliff and the other rock chases after it, man. Like no joke. I I well up every single time.
0: Rock universe is the best universe, and I'm I will accept no substitutes.
1: So that's clearly the worst universe. What
0: do you mean oh, also it's the really only like for universe. people who can see everything you can get a moment of peace.
1: I okay, there's a really fantastic episode of Voyager where a member of the Q continuum is trying to commit suicide.
2: Okay. So... And
1: they talk about how the Q continuum is represented by, like, uh, like a West Texas nowhere gas station. That's, like, the only gas for 100 miles. And he's walking around. And they're like, so you've been, like, the guy who stops here to get gas and the guy who runs the counter? And he's like, dude, I've been that tree. I was the dog for, like, 10 years. Like, you get over it. Anyway, anytime someone becomes an inanimate object on a dead planet, I think of that. What I really like about Hot Dog Finger Universe, uh, in addition uh, to the gay, is that uh, that's the one where you are, like, on the same side as the person that you can't possibly hope to understand. Which reflects on my favorite moment in the movie, which comes at the very, like... At the very end of it, when they're having a little chit-chat outside, and Evelyn yeah, learns movie. how to rip a fat cloud.
2: Oh my god, yeah. I love that scene too. And like, the line that they they have during that where, like... It, it Deirdre says, yeah,
1: oh yeah, I got it, served papers too. I guess it's just, you know, we're just completely unlovable, horrible women. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then Evelyn Un- says, whoa!
0: Exactly! <laughs> Excuse me. Well, and it's like, wait a
2: minute. I'm not you yet. I love. I love the line where it's just like, yeah, it's unlovable bitches like us that make the world go round. And Evelyn, you're not unlovable. Like she has a moment that she loves her. Like they. Sure, in this universe, they may be passing ships, and they may be at odds with each other. In in not like them being enemies anymore, but them just being on the opposite side of a situation. But In another life,
0: if I had hot dog fingers, I'd finger fuck the shit out of your mouth.
2: Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, but like, that's, it's such a great <laughs> moment. And like, I think I agree with you the same amount that like, I I think I love their their relationship the most. One thing I have to point out with the Hot Dog Fingers universe, did you see that her little feet had a a little foot brace because she's always wearing the hand brace? And yes. the right yeah, I right did! I thought
1: that was delightful. Oh, there's I was so like, many... why are they, like, they're not showing it, but they're not, like, not showing it. Why is there so much of the, of the hand brace? You know, uh, and then I learned.
2: You know, somebody yeah. in the prop department, like, they were doing the Hot Dog Universe seeds, and they're like, no, it'd be real funny if we gave her a foot brace. And they were right. Subjectively <laughs> funny. It's a great bit You're of comedy. Right.
1: Very good.
2: Um, But, like... <sighs> they I, I guess we can get into what I want to talk about, which is the other, other relationship a little bit, and then we'll get back to Joy, is Waymond and and uh, Evelyn. And God, I love them so much. I love Waymond, like, so much. <laughs> um, It's not even like, yeah, I love Evelyn and uh, Deirdre's yeah. relationship. Uh, Deirdre's like, I, just like, I just love Wayman. Like he like, he doesn't need any sort of relationship to be Wayman. great. He's yeah. just the best. Yeah. Well, he starts that way. I like when he's talking about uh uh him putting the laundry up in the house because it's happier up there. I love that he's just trying to figure things out. But like one of the big things is he he is he is that constant in every universe. He is this force of positivity that's trying to, trying to be uh, there for everybody um, and help everybody through that. And there's bits and pieces where like, it breaks my heart to see him sad. Um, But like the, the thing that gets me probably every time is when he starts doing his speech and he's talking about, like, no, I'm not dumb. I know that there's bad in the world. I know that, like, a lot of things are out to get us. And I'm not, like, curling up, but this is my way of fighting. Like, being positive and doing this is my way to cope with everything that's happening. <laughs> um. And then you have that, like, that point where he's been stabbed and he's, like, He's just so confused, and he's just begging everybody to stop fighting. And, like, he's been in such a weird relationship for such a long time where he's trying to be that person and trying to take a lot of the blame on himself. There's a point where he's just like, I don't know what's happening, but I feel like it's my fault. And it just – he's just a little cinnamon roll, and I just – I feel so bad for him. And like, even, even when you finally have that like point in the laundry mat where Evelyn's like, yeah, there's no, no reason for anything anymore. And she divorces him. She breaks the window. And he's still there to try to pick up the pieces despite how he feels. And like, I'm, it's, Not only is it important that Evelyn starts seeing that, but it's important for him to start being treated well as well because he's kind of in a really abusive relationship with Evelyn, emotionally. Like, there's points where, like, it flashes to him overwatering a plant and he's just crying and he's like, I'm so sorry. Because she puts a lot of bad on him. And... I think that for Evelyn to come out on the other side, to understand her daughter, and and finally like tell her dad to fuck off, and uh, finally like start repairing things with her husband, she has to start seeing that Waymond is doing everything to help out the situation, and not keep putting him as like this punching bag for that.
0: Well, yeah, that's also really nicely touched on when they're in the laundromat at the end and everything's blowing up. She's talking to her daughter, you know, they're between universes. And she's like, oh, yeah, he's probably out there talking to the IRS person, fucking this up even worse than the situation already is. And he comes back to her and it's like, yeah, it's okay, We can just come back to this next week. And she's like blown away that he resolved the situation to their benefit, because she just doesn't understand what he does anymore.
2: He, he's a great guy. I, I love that man. Hey, <laughs> I'll say this. If, if Evelyn doesn't want to mess around with that, <laughs> if that divorce goes through in whatever universe, you can call me. I'll leave my number in the comments.
1: <laughs> man. I love that guy. I don't have anything interesting or insightful to say about him. He's just... He's the best.
2: He's the best. He, like... He... He, like... It's weird because in the context of talking about his relationship and how he... He kind of helps pull people out of that. Like, that's what you can say about him. But as far as, like, he goes he's the most solid one out of all of them
1: absolutely
2: um not as interesting to discuss but i just i i think he's important and i also really love that like in a way uh evelyn gets to look at what he does and grows in an appreciation for it but also realizes that she can't be that either because she has to be she has to be on both sides you know she she sees that she has to understand that there's bad and there's good and not just focus like like you were saying Danny it's like a matter of perspective she has to realize that both perspectives have their flaws and their benefits absolutely well Is there anything else at any of the time?
0: Maybe even right now,
2: you guys would want to want to talk about.
0: You know, we went about it in a sort of like (laughs) circular fashion, just talking (laughs) about the things that were most (laughs) present on our minds. But uh, (laughs) I think I got out a lot of the major things that I wanted to say on this movie, other than like other references that were like fun, but that's just kind of it.
2: I think another Nothing. another thing to really emphasize: it is a really funny movie. Like <laughs> there are gut yeah, punches there that like I'm I'm once again big baby. Uh, that, oh like how
0: did we skip a butt plug fight? <laughs> it, literally, there's a butt
1: plug fight, and it didn't. We've been talking about this movie for like what, an, like an hour, and it didn't make it
2: yeah yeah and
1: like there's a kung fu fight where a lady pulls two improvised butt plugs out of two different guys simultaneously and it's not like you can't mention that like there's too much else to talk about like the baseball bat with googly eyes
2: very very good (laughs)
1: like Um, are you for real
2: i mean yeah if you want to talk about like a bunch of other things uh it's really funny uh it's really well choreographed. There's some like legitimately good fights
0: oh,
1: extremely. It has one of the best uh couples that can't be together crying in a raining back alley somewhere in Asia that I've ever seen, <laughs> which is like. I don't know if anybody else likes those kinds of movies, but that is a very difficult genre to just, like, enter. But that's they, like, that's like making a Western in, like, 1955. It's like, no, the formula's perfected. Like, if you have not been doing this for ten years, you're way behind the curve.
2: They, yeah, they, uh, they nailed that. And, like, that's another thing is, I am not a big, like, reference-heavy person. Like, references kind of take me out of movies. I feel like, mm-hmm this movie wears its its like influences and references on its sleeve pretty heavily. Yeah. But I never got to the point where I was like, oh, that was too much.
0: Well, I almost wonder if the things like that that are present in this movie are also kind of thematic. Because in that same way where it's like taking your focus and trying to like... Uh... <laughs> Make you see the the wider universe, like that is taking you out of the movie. And sure, like that maybe it shoots itself in the foot there, but I would say in any movie where you could reference a thing outside of it, this is an appropriate place to do so.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, so um, I after talking with you guys, it seems like you guys like it. Did you like the movie? This is a. Uh... It's a big, big leap. I just kind of said, "Hey, we're gonna do this and and uh, go from there." What are your like overall thoughts? Do you think it's successful in what it's doing? Are you guys like fans? Are you gonna watch the cinematic universe that we make <laughs> for this? Uh,
0: well, what sort of rules do we want to have? Like, are we trying to give recommendations? Are we trying to say, "Do we want to destroy this? Do we put it in the annals of history? Do we just give it a number out of a number?"
2: I just, uh, just want to know whether you like it and why you like it. Closing statements, I suppose. You I feel like a scoring
1: system. Can we do kind of like a IGN pros and cons?
2: Sure. Yep. Let's do IGN pros and cons. You go first, James, so I know anything about what you're talking about. Yeah, please lead the way. Yes.
0: Uh,
1: so a number of years ago, after a lot of uh, scores controversy, like big publisher games getting like nothing below a six for like years on end, uh IGN just said we're not doing score. I think it's IGN. Boy, I'm gonna look like a fool if it's not. No, I but think, I think you're it right. is. I think you're right. They Okay. They they, they, they just started like... giving like a pros and cons list at the bottom of the article, uh, of their reviews and it's like if you like this kind of game, it does this well. Uh it's you know, I, I, uh I think it's a lot more helpful than a than a plus or minus. So I thought the movie was fairly pedestrian and don't I'm kidding. Uh I thought this movie was fantastic. I think it's great. I think it's fun for the whole family. Uh, if you like movies where cream cheese is like weirdly important. If you like movies uh, that have uh, immigrants understanding a culture shock and uh, creating a tight knit community uh, that is beautiful and unique in its own way. If you like uh, continual like an entropic societal uh degradation that just makes your life a little bit worse every day. This is the movie for you. Um it's like BoJack and Evangelion and um uh The Raid <laughs> all at the same time. So, um yeah, it was pretty good. I don't think I have a negative to say about it, which is a weird way to start a review series start with with a piece that you don't have a bad thing to say about. Um, (laughs) I was going to say, like, the soundtrack didn't really stand out, but there's the one song at the end of the fight scene where, like, you don't even realize guitar has started wailing in the background uh, until there's, like, a quiet moment. So never mind. That also rules. (laughs)
0: Uh, I'll jump in with a bad thing to say Uh, and it's not necessarily about the movie it's certainly about the things surrounding the movie and that before I had watched this there were a lot of people you know talking it up as like oh my god this thing is insane it blows your mind I've never seen anything like it it's literally going to change your life Um, I don't think it reaches those same heights as perhaps other uh, cerebral or like really intensely emotional uh, media has done for me. And so maybe if you want it to be that sort of like gripping experience, it, it may not do that if you've already kind of like submersed yourself in that. Um, otherwise, I would say it certainly uh, does its theming very well. It It's uh, well-constructed, I would say. And it uh it's a fun ride to go on for sure and you, i i would certainly think that you would enjoy yourself going the places this movie takes you um i'm going to go out there and just give it a number i'll say an 8 out of 10 pretty pretty happy with with that uh and i i would say that you probably should watch this movie even if it's not something especially if it's something you think you might not like because i think it is it has a lot of things that are creative and fun to see on a screen and it might uh it's a, a rewarding thing probably to watch a second time and be like, oh I didn't notice that. Um and then see what else you can derive on subsequent viewings. But certainly a good thing to sit down and watch with friends.
2: Okay, I'll take it from here. Um so I've watched this movie many times, so I can say that uh like Danny was saying, on subsequent viewings, yes, you do pick up a lot more. I don't know if you pick up anything more that's like oh, that makes it better, but there are a lot of like cool little nods, and I think this movie does very well with like setup and payoff. Um, Everything that's in there that becomes an eventual big moment uh, has a smaller moment that is just like either a passing line or like a glancing thing in, in the side of a scene or something like that. And everything does have a payoff. Um, I think as far as if you like movies about characters being sad and learning to be less sad, but still being sad at the end, it's definitely a good one of those. Um, It made me cry. And uh, as people know, in this group, uh, that's my my review of whether I think something's good is do I feel emotion while watching it, um, yeah. And where did you cry? I didn't cry. Oh, that's because mm-hmm. it wasn't in the script.
0: True.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. We forgot that.
2: Yeah, that. I, I like that last minute. I swore I put it on page ten, but just I was real tired that night. So, um, the negatives I would say about this movie. Uh, I would kind of agree uh, somewhat with the statement that you halfway made, James, but didn't commit to and then went against. Um, I would say that the music score is exactly what it needs to be, which, I mean, I kind of wish it was more. I wish it made some more commitments with that. Um, As far as the jokes go... uh, there are a lot that get thrown at you. Um, and overall, I find the movie very funny, but it takes the approach of throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And some of them stick really hard, but other things, I just, you know, they they are either, I guess, bad enough and they move to something else that they become forgettable or what have you. Um, but I don't think it's as tightly written as far as dialogue goes. You know, I think there are hitting moments, and when it wants to tug at your heartstrings, it gets there. Yeah. But when it's like, "I'm gonna be wacky, zany, and whatever," sometimes it kind of misses the mark. But it's going so quickly, it's like a roller coaster ride, is what I would describe this movie as. Um, when it doesn't hit you moved on to the next thing fast enough that it doesn't become egregious, but right. upon my third, fourth watch, it is something where I'm like, oh yeah, that joke wasn't funny the first time I saw it. Definitely isn't funny <laughs> the fourth time I saw it. Um, I can't think
1: of any jokes that I didn't think were not like not funny.
0: I think we have to respect them, though, for like sticking to those jokes, or at least, you know, I, sure, we see it a couple times, and it's not funny. But how many times do I make the same joke in one podcast until it lands?
2: You know what? I don't. I <laughs> I was talking about this movie. You coming at me like this, Dan? That wasn't in the script.
1: It doesn't
0: help. Mm. Oh well. I guess it's time for you to edit me out.
2: Yeah, I think it's best that way. Um, but I think overall, if I were to give it a score, I'd give it. I'm not gonna give it a score. I don't I don't I don't care enough about that. Um <laughs>
1: but... Uh there's a line from uh an SNL skit, Black Jeopardy, where uh Tom Hanks plays a MAGA guy and he's talking about a Tyler Perry movie and he says any movie where you can laugh, cry and pray, that's a good movie.
2: Yeah, I and agree
1: with that. I, I want to give this movie our first ever official Tyler Perry, Medea Goes to the Movies, uh, seal of approval.
2: I, I would agree with that. And you know what? I think that's a great, great note to end it on. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us, and we'll see you. We won't see you. This is not- <laughs> Yo,
0: only What if people do see us? Uh, that be wild.
2: Nobody knows what we're like. Nobody knows what we look <laughs> like. Terrifying. Like, eventually, I'll get a webcam, but that's for other uses. um <laughs> oh. oh. Anyways.
1: Wait. wait a second. Thanks, do you have like a side business?
2: Thanks for <laughs> hanging go on out a with us, home, Michael, dude. Well. well <laughs> We'll we'll see you in the next episode, guys. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye.